can we just talk about Luke Hochevar? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's what this call was about. Good morning, and welcome to episode 252 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I am Ben Lindbergh, joined by Sam Miller, and we are joined by another guest. Two guests in one week, Sam. It's like late night around here. Uh, and our guest today is uh, one of the, the best beat writers around, one of the, the best beat writers to follow on Twitter, uh, certainly. Uh, and he is Andy McCullough, the Yankees beat writer for the Star Ledger. Hello, Andy. Hey, guys, that intro was not necessary, but thank you. <laughs> uh, or it was neither necessary, necessary nor accurate, so good start. Yeah, well, we had to figure out some way to, to say who you are or people would wonder who we were talking <laughs> That's to. That's good. Uh, That's good. So uh, you're, in, you're in Texas now. You have an early flight in the morning. We will not keep you too okay. long. Uh, Sam requested the first question of this interview, so I'm going to let him have it. Yeah, so I wanted to know, when you go to a party and somebody asks you what you do and you tell them that you cover the Yankees, um, what is the first question that most people ask you? Uh, whoa, you get to go to Florida for two months, <laughs> uh, which is how they define the worst part of the year, which is spring training. Uh, that's, that that kind of hasn't changed since I started covering the Yankees this year. Uh, it's, for some reason, people are just obsessed with their own idea of what spring training is and not understanding that it's just this sort of hell. <laughs> you mean you don't, you don't get put up in the finest accommodations and experience oh, all the wow. culture that, that Tampa has to offer? <laughs> it's, it has nothing to do with Tampa. I liked Tampa. Actually, I liked Port St. Lucie, too, when I was covering the Mets. It, uh, it's just the monotony and the drudgery of uh, getting up at 7 in the morning and going to watch a game that doesn't matter and Every interview with the pitcher, the first question is, how did you feel out there? And then what were you doing? I was working on stuff. Okay. You know, so, um, yeah. <laughs> so, unfortunately, uh, but in terms of, like, what I get asked the most about the Yankees, probably Alex. Just kind of the, you know, the Alex stuff. People want to know, like, you know, are they actually going to suspend him for life? Uh, you know, all this sort of stuff that I, you know, I just don't know. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm crossing off questions. Keep going. I'm yeah, crossing what, these what else, fast. what else are we not supposed to ask you? Uh, so, so are you, while we talk to you, are you, do you have like one ear? Are you streaming WFAN right now in case a Rats astrologer comes on and says that the, the planets are aligned for him to come back tomorrow? It's it's two days in a row now where I've just kind of been, uh, yesterday afternoon I just came back from lunch and I just uh, was on Twitter and I saw someone, I think it might have been John Bernhardt, just uh, RT'd someone who said, oh my God, Alex Rodriguez's doctor is on the fan right now. And I said, oh, well, this should be interesting. <laughs> and then <laughs> I, was, I was finishing up writing today and uh, I saw on Twitter again, and someone was like, oh my God, Alex Rodriguez is on the fan right now. <laughs> so just, I have a, just a kind of a, a radar for it now, I guess, which is just Twitter. Yeah, if I was looking at your your timeline, and from from early today to late tonight, and you can follow Andy at at, at McCullough S L M C C U L L O U G H S L, uh, and it's just it's like this litany of A Rod related tweets, and you can just kind of sense your descent into depression or or wanting to write about something else at this point um, throughout the day. And you, you, you wrote a, a guest piece for, for Baseball Prospectus not too long ago, and you talked about how your, your days sort of start with going, you know, getting up and reading what everyone else wrote and catching up on all the news and just being followed around by this crushing fear that you are missing out on some story constantly throughout the day. 
Uh, yep. So, so how has that been the last couple of days when there's just been breaking news coming through unusual channels at all times? I, I, I have to be honest, I guess my sort of natural sort of depression seeps through on Twitter, but I've actually felt more invigorated the last couple of days than I had like on this entire road trip. Um, I know that sounds counterintuitive, but I felt, I felt much more demoralized, I guess, in Boston writing game stories than, than I, I, I don't know. I, I know that I, I think I'm just learning to embrace kind of the absurdity of, of this whole situation and just kind of, trying to, you know, it, it, it helps, I guess, when you're, you know, able to report more things and get more information and learn more stuff. And, uh, you know, I feel like, I felt like, it, it, you know, not to, there's no real horn tooting going on here, but I was able to talk to the doctor, you know, yesterday, uh, like right after I got off the fan, I called his office and got a hold of him. And so that, you know, in terms of just like this, the reporting thing, I felt good because I had done something. I had an interview with him and I put it online and, it, uh, you know, and people were, were reading that. And so, you know, that then I was, I was reading about other people, you know, so it's sort of like almost the, one of the rare times when I'm semi out in front on something, even though he'd already, you know, obviously gone on the fan. So I didn't have the anxiety. And now it's just kind of, I just, I'm just sort of ready, I think, for anything crazy to happen. Um, and so that's, you know, it, it just went, I think a friend of mine who, who used to cover the team just kind of suggested just embrace kind of how absurd it can be and not try and get too upset about it because, you know, people love reading about it. People love reading about Alex Rodriguez. You know, they're just fascinated by him. And, you know, he's you're always going to get sort of people wanting to talk about him, wanting to read about him. And so if you can, you know, writing about him is good, I guess, and you can sort of get past just kind of how ridiculous the whole situation is and just understand that you're going to have some days blown up because of stuff going on. Yeah, and and there are A-Rod stories year-round, really, but it seems like a lot of the A-Rod stories are non-stories, really, that just get made into <laughs> stories because they're A-Rod, right? But this one is kind of an interesting story. I mean, it's it's absurd and it's crazy, but it's mm-hmm. it's kind of intriguing even for people who maybe are more interested in what's happening on the field than all the kind of off-the-field drama. This kind of has something for everyone. Right, and I think this is the absurdity of this is not kind of the... The absurdity of this is how it's playing out, you know, in terms of radio interviews and, you know, the sort of bizarre uh, media tour that the doctor went on yesterday. But the actual sort of crux of the argument is it's not that absurd. I mean, Alex just basically does not trust the Yankees anymore. Uh, in terms of his, his medical care, I mean, he's, he was, but, you know, the Yankees are, and the Yankees are upset with him about that. And, and no one's really hiding it anymore. I mean, they're not, you know, they're, they're just, every time they, you know, they sort of they all get on a conference call and say, okay, we're all on the same page. And then, you know, it just explodes like a couple of days later. So it's, it is, I mean, in terms of like how it affects the 2013 Yankees on the field, you know, who knows? Because Alex is obviously facing, you know, the biogenesis stuff, and it's unclear how that's going to work out, whether he's going to fight, whether he's going to accept it, or, you know, or what. But in terms of just, you know, I mean, this is the highest paid player in baseball, and he's basically in, you know, at the very least, a cold war with his, with his organization. You know, that's, that's pretty obvious. I mean, he was asked today if he trusted the team, and he said, I'd rather not say, which is, you know, <laughs> which is all you need to know. And Cashman was asked if he was mad at him, he was angry at Alex, and he said, I'm not going to comment. You know, so <laughs> you don't need to do much inferring there to understand kind of the resentment. There's a lot of resentment on both sides. And, and that makes it, you know, just an interesting thing to cover because it's not – 
you know, they played a baseball game last night. I think they lost three to one. It was very, very boring. I mean, I was. They still play. Very they still play to... baseball games. Yeah, Hiroki Kuroda's really? still really good. Huh. He, pitched a, he pitched another good one today. <laughs> but you know, it's one of those things when you cover so from from my perspective, and I hope, and I know some readers don't feel this way, but I just from my perspective of when you're churning out game-related content day after day after day, you know, there's a monotony to that. And so this story, as, as goofy as it is, has been has been just kind of like a like almost an energy boost, I guess, at this sort of the midway point, the, the sort of exhaustion point of the season. And is this is it really about his medical care? Is all this distrust really about his medical care? Or is that just, you know, a kind of a, a convenient place for them to fight? Like this is, like you called it a Cold War. This is like kind of like Vietnam because they don't actually want to go like nuclear on each other, right? <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I think that's actually a good way of framing it. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I, I don't think, this didn't start with his medical care. You know, this didn't start with the, the quadriceps injury. This is a, you know, a long-standing relationship that's kind of deteriorated over time with, you know, the opt-out in 2007 and, you know, the sort of appearance of his, his cousin, uh, Yuri, who, you know, was, I guess, involved in the original sort of steroid stuff from back in Texas, and he the team sort of barred him from, you know, events, and he showed up a couple of years later and stuff like that so but yeah you're right like this is kind of like what this is the uh the island for lack of a better word they've chosen to uh to go to you know to, to go to battle on whether or not you know there's there's a strain in his left quadriceps so it's kind of a satellite for the entire uh, skirmish or entire sort of whatever i'm using too many metaphors here <laughs> um and it seems like it's kind of the the perfect mix of personalities to to sustain this story for a while because you have a-Rod, who really just sort of seems to never have had the greatest self-awareness or always seems to have a knack for uh, making things worse whenever he does anything. And then you have Cashman, who's kind of like become sort of a cowboy in the last few years. Like he, it feels mm-hmm. like, like he survived the George Steinbrenner era and no one expected him to. And now he's like living on borrowed time almost. So it's like there's he'll say anything he'll be a lot more frank than a lot of general managers will um so i guess that is that is kind of uh propelled this story forward where you had the you know a rod saying his his rehab timeline a couple weeks ago and then cashman kind of coming off with the the -the off-the-cuff comment to andrew marchand that sort of started this this recent thing um yeah is is cashman i mean is the perception within the organization that like cashman is doing great like does he come out of this looking better or worse do you think um i think with the yankees it's always just about trying to survive you know it's a very i mean there's you know it's it's um you know cashman emerged from a very very competitive you know almost machiavellian uh, environment it seems like you know to, to kind of have the power he has now and so I think obviously, you know, the, you know, how Steinbrenner was probably upset uh, with Alex publicly telling his player to, uh, you know, am I allowed to curse on there on here? Yeah, sure. And then, you, know, you know, he told Alex to shut the fuck up, as everyone knows. Um, I don't know, whatever. Um, but yeah, so you know, I think I don't think that won him points with the front office, but I think, you know, this is it, it, it's it's always part of the evaluation. I think you know it's tough to really rate Cashman in a, in a negative light um, in terms of what the team has done over the past you know 15 years under his watch. Um, so I've lost the I've lost the thread. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think uh, yeah. I don't think I, I I know there's I think there's frustration with you know how this is all played out and I think there was some frustration with you know, Cash sort of you know uh, 
uh, lashing out the way he did, but I think, you know, it, it's it, it, there's so much animosity, I guess, between the two sides that, you know, it's hard to sort of see, you know, the, the Yankees you know, fighting internally about this, I guess, considering, you know, what, what they're going through. Yeah, we've, I mean, we've talked about this with other GMs on this show where, um, I mean, clearly A-Rod looks worse. It seems to me he looks worse and worse every day. Um, but, you know, he's... He's a ball player. He's not supposed to necessarily be a good dude. I mean, uh, you know, he's he got here because he's basically sociopathically driven to hit baseballs, not because he's like a good guy, right? Whereas, like a front office, like their job is to manage the sociopaths. Their job is to take these like kind of, you know, a, a, a weird, varied mix of people who all have you know weird drives um, and strange, uh, you know quirks and such and you know kind of be the adults in the room and so normally you would think like a gm who's kind of off the reservation or whatever uh in this way you'd think oh wow he just he doesn't have control but i mean like it it seems like cashman's kind of in a position where he's like the everybody's rooting against a rod (laughs) right now and he gets he gets to be like the head of the the a rod resistance (laughs) well i I will we say, have you know, so many metaphors going on here. Someone's going to map out is, the metaphors, and it's going to be brilliant. Yeah. Get uh, the uh, was it Craig Robinson, the guy who does the uh, the flip flop yeah. or whatever. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Infographic on this. Um, I think you know. To be to be fair, I mean Cashman has kind of shut it down in terms of saying crazy things since he um, since he popped off the Martian. I think he's you know he was. He, we did a conference call today in which he was asked a lot of specific things that could probably could have given him an opportunity to, to go off on Alex and he just, you know, wouldn't say anything. So I think, you know, I, I think he, uh, he, he has, does have a reputation of the past few years for saying more and more things off the cuff. I mean, when the, you know, when Alex admitted to using uh, steroids, I guess in 2009, you know, Cashman called him, compared him to Humpty Dumpty and said, you know, we have to put him back together again. I mean, he's always been a, you know, a great quote. I think he's just, he's just dialed it back recently. Uh, but you're right. I mean, yeah, this is, it, it's, it's a sort of war when if, if you take up sides against Alex Rodriguez, you're usually going to win the public opinion just because fair or unfair, you know, Alex is not well perceived by the public. And that's, so it's, it's a convenient position to have, I guess. So where do you stand? There have been a lot of uh, conspiracy theories, I guess, about uh, the Yankees stalling and making up injuries and not being eager to get them back at the same time as they're maybe trading for Alfonso Soriano and and kind of not having a right-handed hitter who can hit. Uh, I mean, the, the lineup that they had on Thursday night that managed to scrape a couple runs together was... Uh, just kind of an unbelievable looking lineup. Uh, so clearly they could they could use Alex Rodriguez even in his diminished diminished state. But I, did I mean do you do you give any weight to that kind of stall tactic theory? No, I, I don't. I don't know exactly what they benefit. I mean, people people on their side, you know, sort of insist that you know the other side that the you know the the sort of claim that's been floated. I guess that they're just kind of collecting insurance money. I mean, people on the Yankee side kind of insist that that's that's not true. They don't get that money, much insurance, and so I, I don't know. It, it's it's one. Of, it, this is one of the things where there's so many voices that you're talking to. You know, different types of people day in and day out that it's hard to kind of get a real good sense of what exactly is going on. So you hear a lot of you know, the conspiracy theories and stuff and, you know, some make more sense than others, but they're, you know, but it's all just, it's all very hard to suss out, I guess. I mean, I don't really have, to be honest, I mean, to be perfectly frank, I don't really have a definitive, you know, one I'm in favor of or one, you know, that, that makes the most sense. I think 
you know, they're all, it's just that there's, with Alex, it just seems like there's always a lot of stuff floating around and it's hard to make sense of what exactly is going on. Yeah. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we did an episode where we did a, a draft of, of players and we tried to. <laughs> I listened to that. Oh, I was okay. waiting for who was going to take it. <laughs> yeah, right. So Sam, uh, in this draft of where we, we tried to draft the least productive players for the most amount of money, Sam went out on a limb and took Alex Rodriguez. Uh, and if he doesn't get into a game this year, then there will be a penalty for that. Do you? Uh, what's your sense? He just has to get into one game for Sam to be off the hook. There, it just needs to be announced. He yes. doesn't even need to, <laughs> right. to play. Yes. What did he say? He just needs to be a pinch runner, right? He right. Needs yeah. Here in a game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I. I mean, it's so it's so hard to say. You know, it seemed like he was so close a week ago, um, and now they they pushed they stalled it another week. Mm-hmm. Um, just for fun's sake, yeah, I think it'd be great to get, for him to get in some games. I think it would be it would just be so interesting to see kind of how he reacts to the environment, how the you know, how the fans react to him, sort of how he plays, you know. Um, I you know, so I I think it would be really interesting if he played. Um, I think that would be I think that would be far more interesting than him, you know, uh, maybe getting suspended or disappearing or you know. I, I think him playing is is the most interesting outcome that can come from here. And I and he. By, you know, from what he's saying and what his people are saying, he really wants to play. Um, the Yankees counter to that is, you know, well, he was the one who initially raised the, the quad injury. So it's, it's, you know, it's, as I said, it's strange. <laughs> uh, so going back to the first question, when you said that people ask you, you know, is A-Rod going to get banned for life? And, you know, you have no idea. Do you genuinely not know that much more than is reported or that is like kind of publicly known or do you guys all have like this extra layer of stuff that you know you know but you either can't report because you heard it off the record or you can't report because it's you know it's third-hand information and maybe it's just gossip um i would say like in a case like this where quite frankly i mean like i'm not you know like the new york daily news i team has done a fantastic job you know covering stuff like this for years and you know um, I'm not sort of in that position. I don't particularly know a lot about the world of drugs and sort of the, you know, the investigators and all that stuff. So I, in, in something like this, you know, I don't particularly know a lot more than what's only reaching, you know, a certain level of people. Um, I, I, to your point, though, I mean, there is, when, when you cover, you know, baseball, you hear tons of stuff, you know, all the time from players and agents and execs and scouts. And, and you know, a lot of it you just you just can't print because it's, you know, it's third hand, it's this, that, and the other thing. And so, you know, there is sort of like a, a, a mass of information that you know but can't really use, but it, it, it doesn't really apply in this case just because that's, you know, this is a world I never really delved in. And, and the hard part about covering in the story um, you know, when you're in my position, you know, I'm, I've only been, this is my fourth year, I guess, covering baseball. So, you know, um, I'm not particular, I'm not like, you know, I'm not Joel Sherman. I'm not Buster Olney or Ken Rosenthal or John Heyman or all these guys, you know, who are so, um, well, forced, I'm, I'm sort of forced to kind of, you know, do what I can. And so it's, uh, it's difficult to try and, you know, crack into a world of this is, you know, complex is kind of this, steroid sort of reporting aspect while still writing game stories every day and writing earlies and doing all the, you know, the busy work that comes with the, the job itself, I guess, mm-hmm. which is my uh, excuse for why I suck. How <laughs> many, uh, how many reporters are there right now who can walk up to a rod and get 10 minutes with him in the clubhouse before the game? Um, I guess it kind of depends on the day, you know, I mean, if he, uh, if he's in a decent mood, 
he'll talk to you. Um, and if he's not, he'll, he'll walk right past you. I mean, that's kind of what I, I, to be honest, like he was not at spring training. That's when I started covering the Yankees. I've spoken to him once when I was on a rehab assignment with him, uh, in Reading and we talked for 45 seconds and most of it was him shaking his head. Um, so, <laughs> um, like, you know, so like, yeah, like, like he was, no, he was, he, he was sick or something, or he just—he like he has Parkinson's. He was—he was shaking his head, and we were talking about Robinson Cano getting hurt in the All Star game, and his reaction was just him shaking his head over and over. Oh, um, so he—he like, was, he was unhappy. He was like, like you, yeah, you were asking him about yeah. bad news. Okay, so he like, was not was like, shutting you your... down. No, was, no, no. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I misphrased that. I was like, okay. "What was your reaction?" And he just shook his head for twenty seconds. <laughs> so, how, how do you put that you know, in print? <laughs> I I didn't. I, I I think I tweeted it out. I, I mean, you just say I don't know. You didn't write what happened. I guess it was weird. Huh. So it's impossible to predict really what will happen tomorrow, even. Uh, but do you, <laughs> is there like is there any scenario in which this relationship is repaired to the point that uh, the next four years on his contract will not be this every day? I mean, is there is there, any, is there any way at which, I mean, does he stay there? Is it like, you know, people have, have talked about, uh, like, the Brewers should release Ryan Braun, which seems kind of right. crazy, but, uh, yeah. but with A-Rod, maybe to the point that he's a distraction and not as productive a player, you start to, is that even a consideration? Is that... Totally far fetched. I mean, what do you what do you think happens here long term? Yeah, I mean, I I would I would guess, and this is again just a guess, but I would guess that at some point in the next five years, the Yankees cut him a check and just ask him to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's to, you know, I, that's obviously it's a total guess, but that's just sort of thinking how is it possible? I just said how is it possible that they can do this for five more seasons? <laughs> like how how can you possibly go through this every day? Especially when his value as a player might be right. you know like non-existent. Um, so yeah, I mean you know you could foresee a scenario where you know whatever he gets dropped with a, a 150 game suspension or something you know which is one number that's been thrown out and he, he takes it he does it, or he or he decides to fight it. And uh, he misses all of 2014. At that point, you know, they've already paid the, the most of the freight on the contract. I think they've already paid like $175 million of the 275 So, mm-hmm. you know, there's about 100 left. And then, you know, so maybe they, you know, whatever, $50, $60 million. That's, that's something maybe you cut a check for rather than 100 You know, I think it was 114 starting this year, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but who knows? I mean, like... <laughs> You know, maybe he maybe he fights maybe he fights the suspension. His appeal wins, and you know he plays okay down the stretch this year, and he comes back next year. It, like, with, you have to remember, I mean, how good a baseball player Alex Rodriguez is. You know, mm-hmm. like we wouldn't be having any of these discussions if he wasn't like the best baseball player of his generation. You know, mm-hmm. like he would he wouldn't be he wouldn't be worth the time just because. I mean, it's just it's a testament to all everything he's accomplished in his career that. You know that he's even in this position. He's as crazy as that sounds with this with this huge contract and all that. You know, so you know it's not it's not inconceivable that he's like, a, you know, he plays a he's a youthful player in three years playing 120 games a year. You know, mostly DHing and stuff like that. I mean, it's not like maybe just you guys, but it's not it's not to me, right? Mm-hmm. Well, don't you think it also sort of seems like we're only talking about this partly because he's also declined so much? I mean, I feel like 
if he were still an MVP candidate, the Yankees would still basically be thrilled to get him in the lineup at the cost right. and would be, you know, like they'd do whatever they needed to do to kind of smooth the way for him to get into the lineup. I mean, I feel like this is all really just a carryover from Joe Girardi pinch hitting for him repeatedly in the postseason and benching him. Yeah, yeah, I think, I, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. But um, I, it, but I think also, you know, when you're talking about elite-level talent, it's worthwhile to, you know, they're, you know, when they're dead cats, they might bounce for a little bit longer or a little bit higher, I guess. So, mm-hmm. like, I, I wouldn't be completely – and, like, his decline is precipitous because of where he was, you know, like a 7-8-9 win player. I think he was like a 3-win player maybe last year. I could be wrong about that, but I feel like he was about a 3-win player. Like he had like a 7-80 OPS, which is, you know, decent in this run-scoring environment. Like he was still a good baseball player. Um, and if he could remain a 3-win player for a couple more years, which is a huge, you know, sort of, you know, caveat, um, he, still, he still has value, you know, for, for any team. So... Yeah, I mean, it, it it does kind of start. I mean, the, the the idea that he was like completely useless as a player, like done, didn't really surface until the playoffs. You're right, uh, but he was hurt then, so you know, who knows? It seems so tame in retrospect. Like, how how will they repair this relationship after he was pinch hit for by Raul Banias? How can they come back from that? <laughs> All the things that have happened since then. That seems like the most minor story that could possibly come out. Uh, remember when he remember when he got the number from the uh, oh, oh man? yeah <laughs> <laughs> I barely remember. There's so much to keep there's, track of. There, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> I've been uh, one, one of the kind of one of my assignments recently is I've been kind of preparing, you know, B matter for a story in case, you know, he gets suspended or whatever, in case, you know, he, he, you know, is out for the season, just something to kind of, you know, go through his, you know, like a long sort of, you know, like a, like a career obit almost, you know, like mm-hmm. summing up his career. And so it's been fascinating just going back and reading all the old clips and just all these kooky, you know, controversies, you know, some of them, and most of them, a, a lot of them, I would say, just kind of ridiculous, you know, like the the, the, the photo shoot the, where he's the Bron- kissing the mirror. That was a good one. Yeah, uh, the Bronson Arroyo thing. Um, you know, yelling hot third base. Yes. You know, running across Dallas Braden's mound. You know, all these. Things oh my gosh, like I forgot else- that was him. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, like all these things that if anyone else had done, you would be like, oh, that was a weird thing. But because you know it's Alex, it's it's a, it's a big deal, and it's you know it's something part of that. You know, he almost. And he feels some sympathy for the guy that, you know, he can't he can't do anything goofy without being completely mocked for it, you know, like stunning shirtless in Central Park and, you know, all this stuff. <laughs> like and so it's uh it's it's fascinating just to look back at, at some of these stories and just you know, it's it's uh it's an interesting saga in the most boring way to put it. He makes he's made page six for having dinner, like literally going to a restaurant, <laughs> ordering food, leaving. <laughs> and it, it's a story somehow. Or yeah. He like doesn't say thank you to the waiter or something. Uh, well, something like that. There was a there was a uh, last last October. I did sort of a tongue in cheek thing and talking about how the how a Rod and the Yankees are like the feel good story of the season. And one of the things that it, that I pointed out was that a Rod, when he was like 16, he was the best high school player in the country. And there was this old story of him, you know, playing, you know, as like a high school junior. And everybody, like all the fans hated him because he was so good and they would like boo him if he struck out. 
And so, like, my point was just, like, this poor guy has been hated for no reason for, like, decades. Yeah. And, like, just think how hard that's got to be. But it's getting to the point where now I'm like, oh, no, they saw something that I just missed. <laughs> like, they were just – they were incredibly prophetic. <laughs> and so I, I honestly don't know whether we did this to him, like, whether we made A-Rod what he is or whether we just, like, were re- – we being, like, the collective we – we're just yeah. really good at perceiving it. And I still don't know that. I'm not sure I'll ever know that. I would say it's uh, it's not that the sort of collective universal conscience is, is good at perceiving these things. I, I think the treatment of him for a long time was pretty unfair. We did it, yeah. Fans. We're the monsters. Uh, I, I don't even know. If, I just think it's like, you know, like the, the fixating on the performance in the playoffs, you know, that's that, um, you know, maybe – you know, you know, ten years later, maybe there's sort of an understanding that just how fickle the playoffs can be, and how you know it's it's understandable that you won't play well for 15 at bats. But it became kind of like, you know, his like a black mark against him that he struggled. And I don't even know how badly he struggled. I mean, I know obviously like in 2006 he had an eighth and stuff like that. But um, I think you know he's a guy who's withstood a lot of criticism and has still accomplished so freaking much in his baseball career, you know, and I think sometimes it's, it's worthwhile to remember that, 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 you know, like, like I said, the only reason we can sit until still talk about it, the only reason he, the main reason, you know, he generates such interest is just what a tremendous baseball player he was. And uh, I think that's going to get lost. I think it has been lost. I think it's, I don't think people talk about that anymore. And, you know, you can make arguments, whatever about, you know, whether he's chemically enhanced and he's admitted to using it for at least a three year period. Baseball, you know, obviously expects he's been, you know, doing things um, otherwise. So, it, but it, it, regardless, I mean, I think it's it's kind of a shame that the, maybe the only memories are of this guy are going to be kind of the, these last just ridiculous years, I guess. Yeah, I, I grew up in New York. I watched uh, a lot of Yankees teams that won the World Series and, and won, you know, 114 games. And uh, probably the best player that I've watched kind of firsthand on a day-to-day basis was, was Alex Rodriguez when he came over and won an MVP award. He was probably the, the best player I have watched just kind of at that level. Um, so uh, last question uh, Wait a minute. Oh, I want to have. I want to. I want to ask okay. something too. My last question. Uh, <laughs> I have nowhere to go. I'll just stay up all night till <laughs> my flight in four hours. Um, my last question. Uh, so, when you sign on to be a, a beat writer in the New York market, you are signing up for a certain amount of this sort of story, I guess. And and like you said, maybe that's not the worst thing in the world. You always have something to write about. So, how does this? Uh, this is your first year on the Yankees beat, but you covered the Mets for three years and. <laughs> And that was a very dysfunctional period for the Mets. So how does this compare, I guess, to kind of crazy, absurd, off-the-field stories of people not communicating well? How does this rank uh, after your three years of covering the Mets? I I would say, um, I would think this sort of specific mid-month-long period or so since basically you know, the stuff with A-Rod and Twitter and stuff like that happened has probably been the, the craziest and the weirdest. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's funny. I was I was actually talking about this with uh, with Dave Waldstein, who covers the uh, the Yankees for the Times, and we were both on the Mets beat in 2010. And, and Dave's like a, you know, a 30-year veteran in the business. And 2010 was my first year covering the team, and I had no idea. It was the most dysfunctional team ever. And I just had no idea. I just thought it was how, like, 
things went. Like guys would just openly demand trades, like you know, sitting around in the clubhouse and like you know, Francisco Rodriguez beat up his uh, his, his father-in-law, and you know, Jerry Manuel was asked like how he would welcome Gerard back to the team the next year, and Jerry said, "I'm here next year." You know, like it was just <laughs> crazy. Like so many, like you know, we like we joke about these things, like some guys who cover that team, and I at the time I said no idea you know, that that was a crazy team, that there was, you know, like Jose Reyes, like, strained an oblique, and the team told him to only bat, like, right-handed, like, to stop switch hitting, essentially, so he could stay in the lineup. Like, it was just silly things like that were happening all the time, and I just thought it was, like, how it worked. So I'm still sort of getting a register for what's normal and what's what's not normal, I guess, uh, you know, when you're covering teams. All right, so then here's my last question, and it's not something you actually know or would have any reason to know, but he needs 115 How homers. How is that different to, from the other questions? <laughs> uh, he needs 115 homers to tie Bonds. Uh, what sorts of odds would it take for you to bet on him? What's that, like the Kevin Malone joke from the uh, from the office? Like if anyone gives you 1,001 odds, take it. <laughs> right. um, I don't know. I, I mean, he needs 115 uh, it would, it would, yeah, like a, a thousand to one, I guess. Wow, I don't know, that's just that's so many home runs. That I, is a lot of home runs. <laughs> he hit eighteen last year, and he played most of the year. Um, so that would be, I mean, yeah, he hit eighteen last year. You know, he got hurt a lot. It, it's hard to foresee him playing one hundred and fifty games in a season, you know, ever again um, between. You know, just the injuries and his, you know, age. Um, the power is probably going to go down. Like I think if he could be a useful player, he would. It would be because he improved his on-base skill and not because the power was still there. So I just, yeah, I, I don't know. What's the? I'm not good at math. Five hundred to one. Hundred to one doesn't seem right. Hundred to one does not seem right. Really? So but if someone could, if someone offered you ten thousand dollars against your hundred. <laughs> Well, I'm calculating my own salary, right? Um, <laughs> Let's do it right, yeah, right I, here, Sam. You yeah, want? You guys got that kind of scratch, right? <laughs> you an advertisement. Yet? I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't give. I wouldn't give any better than thirty. If I were, if 30, I were actually, if I were offering one? it to you, I wouldn't give any better than thirty to one. Yeah. Huh. I mean, thirty to one. Really? Who puts money on thirty to one? I mean, thirty to one seems like a thing that happens, like on occasion. <laughs> I think it's not. I mean, it, thirty to one is a thing that happens every thirty times, <laughs> and and it seems is that, it seems is that how it works. I told you I'm not good at this. It's a, a one in thirty chance seems fairly. I mean, you know, it seems reasonable to me. I mean, maybe he gets, you know, maybe he gets, uh, you know, if he if he went to Coors right now and was in you know good in good shape and played out the last you know four years of his contract or whatever. How many does he have? Four more. Uh, right? four, four more. more yeah. So I mean, it's it's not inconceivable. You could get a hundred. I mean, he'd have the incentive to keep playing. I mean, you know, look at Britney Spears right now. Is like <laughs> the top, is she, seriously, she's at the top of the charts. I mean, she's like uh, she's got a hundred million dollar contract to play in Las Vegas. She is like, she is killing it. And I mean, that four years ago, it seemed impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously, Google a hundred million dollars in Britney Spears. She's do not, it. Just do it right now. She's not a bad comp actually for a Rudd, I guess. She's not a bad comp. Well, yeah, you could argue with the, you know, did we did we ruin her or you know was she always this way? You could. Uh, there's a great story about her. This is you know as off topic as possible. There's a great story about her in Rolling Stone from like 2007 or something, 
uh, the, I'm going to butcher the, the woman's last name. It's by like Vanessa Grigadorios or something that like kind of details her downfall. And it has a lot of these kind of similar factors in there. It's uh, it's like a fascinating look at just like kind of what went wrong. And, and it, come, it goes into a lot of, you know, she was being sort of criticized for things that might have been outside her control. And at some point she just kind of became a monster. And that's not to say, obviously, Alex is a monster, but uh, you, know, you can see kind of how these, these sort of things happen, I guess. So that was pointless. But okay, so 30 <laughs> Oh man, I have, I have like 10 Britney stories that are way more pointless <laughs> that I'm just like, I'm literally gripping the sides of the chair to keep from telling them. <laughs> well, I'm predicting that, that A-Rod will show up with a shaved head uh, wearing some baggy sweatsuit tomorrow. That will be the next development. If he comes at you with an umbrella, be, be wary. <laughs> All right. If, if Kevin Federline shows up in the Yankees clubhouse, <laughs> I will be sure to send out an APB. We'll have to do part two of this. A-Rod from 2008 to 2011, his 32 to 35 seasons, uh, mostly healthy-ish, uh, hit 111 home runs, uh, and he has four years left on his deal, and he'll be what 38 to 41. Uh, so I think I think I'm with Andy on the the odds being. Ben, I'm not saying <laughs> even odds. I'm saying 30 to one. Uh, you have uh, to appreciate what 30 to one is. It's ben, not, we can not make, high enough. Ben, you you and I can make the easiest fifty dollars of our lives. <laughs> we just booked it for Sam, and yes. in seven years we'll have fifty dollars, and hopefully that'll still be worth. $50. Wait, you're only so wait. You're gonna put up a dollar seventy <laughs> to my fifty, or you're gonna no, put up no, fifty no. to my dollar seventy, or you're gonna put up fifty to my. Wait, which which side am I taking? You're taking the yes side. Do I put up more money or less money in this? No, you okay? You're putting up a hundred dollars. I'm putting up a hundred, and is, you're you're gonna pay me three thousand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be legal for us to make this deal. All right, so, so send, me, we'll, send me a direct message. We'll talk about it off the air. <laughs> Maybe just edit, just edit the entire part. Just end, just end it with Britney Spears. <laughs> All right, uh, we got through an entire interview without asking a Yankees beat writer about. The Yankees, really, uh, about the AL East, about their playoff hopes, about the trade they just probably made. Uh, and that's fine because there's more interesting stuff to talk about. Uh, so thank you, Andy, for, for coming on on short notice late at night when you have to get up early. And uh, you should all read his stuff at the at the Star Ledger and follow him on Twitter at, at M-C-C-U-L-L-O-U-G-H-S-L, McCullough S-L. Uh, and we wish you the best of luck as you try to keep up with this story. Yeah, it should be fun. Thanks for having me on. All right. Uh, that's it for this week. Uh, send us emails at podcast at baseballperspectus.com. Rate and review us and iTunes if you have the time. And we will be back next week. Have a wonderful weekend.